Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on... The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We watch on Simulcast 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, I don't know if y'all remember, but I got rebuked on the air about three weeks ago maybe four weeks ago, for suggesting that the Red Sox have a really good hitting lineup. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to think I might. I'm starting to think I might be, might have been right about that. I'm starting to think maybe the Red Sox do have a really good hitting lineup. Trevor Story has now hit nine home runs in his last 14 games. Since May the 10th, this cat has 27 ribs, five stolen bases, nine home runs. And he's not one of their top three hitters. This team can hit it. I, I, I'm starting to wonder if after all the criticism for the first six weeks of the season that we got about a dead ball, if the ball has been changed. I wonder if all that was done by, or it's a combination of more hitters are getting in a groove now because their spring training was routines were messed up. And so maybe the ball was dead, but but maybe some of it had to do with you had a lot of hitters who were not in grooves. And the whole being in a groove thing is interesting because Yuli Goriel was on fire. In, in spring training. I mean, he was hitting home runs and line drives everywhere, all over the ballpark. Then the season starts and he can't hit forever. He was hitting one something for the first month. And now he's kind of getting hot. So uh, it, it's so hard to know what to make of it. But in the last week and a half or so, look how many teams, have, like the Reds scored 20 runs yesterday. 20. In the little pretty good... American Popcorn Park. They scored 20. The Red Sox have scored, what, over 15, what, twice in the last, like, four, five games? Teams are just scoring, teams have been scoring a lot of runs lately. A lot. The Punks had a game where they scored, what, 14, I think it was. So, and it seems like the balls are starting to fly again. So, I mean, I have no idea, but I, I just kind of have the, the feeling 
that the they're not hit, the balls are not the same or some combination of the balls not being the same and more hitters are starting to break out now. The weather's getting warmer. That's a factor in some of these situations. And also the there're more players who are in some sort of a groove now. Because you know any kind of negative or ill effects from not having a normal spring training because of a lockout are over with now. Like we're almost in June. We established yesterday, and hopefully if you were listening, you got it nosh in your brain, that June is Wednesday. I think Hannah forgot that since yesterday. June is Wednesday. We established that yesterday. It is it was it is a week from well, yesterday was a week from yesterday, but today it's a week from two days ago. That makes five. Seven minus two equals five. I'm not good at math, but I, I figured that one out. June is Wednesday. It's two days after Memorial Day. June. And so we're going to look at the standings for the first time then. But also, I, I think a lot of that is just um, some something's not the same. Let's put it that way. It's about time. I think I had my first good fantasy hitting day yesterday of the whole season. I mean, it's just been miserable. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. What a glorious, glorious morning it is, huh, Foot? Well, I didn't get to play. I got an off day yesterday because I'm about to – the Astros are about to start their third three-city trip of the season, and we haven't even started June yet. It's unbelievable, but got a day off yesterday. At least it ain't to Asia, you know. I mean, it could be worse, you know. Well, we are going to Asia. We're going to Seattle. We're playing in Seattle tonight, which is Asia. Of course, that's like our second home. Um, And then they go to then they go to Oakland. Uh-huh. And, and then they go to Kansas City. So only two of the three. The good thing is, of the six games in, in Asia and Northern California, um, only three of them are going to end after midnight, like LSU did last night. So at least I get a little bit of a break. But you know another reason why it's a glorious morning foot? I'm listening. It's because... It's because you started off your show talking about the Boston Red Sox. Man, that couldn't have put a, a bigger smile on my face. And I also wanted to say, I think I, I, I think I finally figured out uh, my little buddy Paul. I think the reason why he hates on Red Sox fans is he just wants them to take him fishing. So I'm going to be the fair Red Sox fan that I am. And I'm going to invite him to go fishing. And I'm not worried that he's going to steal my fish because I put all my fish in my Boston Red Sox. Uh, oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I got guess. you. So, you know, the Yankee fan ain't going to touch nothing with that has Boston Red Sox yeah, on it. You that's know? a good plan. So, that's a good strategy. And I also, I want to I wanna thank you for correcting him yesterday uh, when, when he said uh, that little segment about the, uh, Babe Ruth and you told him actually the Red Sox were doing more winning in that time period than the Yankees were. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And also, I think he was mistaken. He thought we were probably playing the the Orioles, but we don't start our series against the Orioles till today. So we did something that they had trouble doing, and we beat the faces off the the White Sox. So, but I just want to get that in. And it's a glorious day for it. And remember, positive thoughts. Okay. Man. Okay. Take care. Have a good one, Take buddy. Care.
Also last night, the Blue Jays, who have been struggling a little bit after a hot start, they went out to the West Coast and they faced Shohei Otani, whose pitching line was six innings, six hits, five earned runs, one walk, and ten strikeouts. And I think he went 0 for 2 or 3 at the plate. And he left the game complaining of back stiffness. So it doesn't sound serious, but um, the Blue Jays beat the Angels last night. And um, balls were flying out of that park, too. I I don't know. Again, it could be. I don't want to be an alarmist, but it could be a combination of the weather warming up, more hitters. I mean, some hitters started the season hot, but more hitters have gotten whatever the not being prepared or the funk from an unusual um, training camp out, out of the way or behind them. And have they done anything different with the balls? I mean, I don't understand how all that works, but it just seems that way. A lot, lot, lot of balls are, are starting to fly a lot further. It just seems that way. And, may, again, could be a combination of all those things. So we'll keep an eye on it. But, man, there's been a lot of runs scored in Major League Baseball in the last week and a half. And there weren't near – I mean, it's, you know, the first month – First five, six weeks or so, not a lot of runs scored. But they've been scoring lots of runs recently. And so we'll see how that plays out. The, the Yankees did get a win last night in the first game of a four-game series at Tampa. So we'll see how that series played out. Yarborough has been a problem for him at times in the past. And, and he actually got off to a great start. I want to say Yankees didn't get a hit till about the fifth inning, but... But uh, they ended up scoring a bunch of runs, and and winning going away. They've got they're they're um, doing a lot of good things for sure. All right, uh, college baseball, as I alluded to earlier, LSU played the late game and they and they got the win. Um, LSU was scheduled to play, you know. They say 8 o'clock, but most of us don't really believe that. Probably will be playing until past midnight again tonight. They're going to play Tennessee. Uh, the game that's going to be starting in about 20 minutes or so is Arkansas and Florida. Not a surprise with Arkansas. Arkansas got beat by, um, was it Alabama? Yeah, I think it was Alabama beat them. And not a surprise because... We've commented on this all year here and there. Arkansas at home is really good. Arkansas on the road is just eh, pretty good. I mean, they're nothing special on the road. So when they're not playing at home, they're not – I'm not saying they're below average, but they're, they're just a pretty pedestrian team. For, for a team that's really good overall, it seems – when they're not at home, they're just maybe slightly above average. They're very, very beatable away from home. And I think that's been proven pretty much all season. And, and I think it's going to get proven again. Now, they play Florida this morning, and Florida got their face crushed. And, and, and I think 
Although Florida is one of the teams you would think would be more motivated than some of these other teams in, in, in this SEC tournament. But I think there's going to be some teams here in this tournament who want to be here and other teams don't really want to be here. Some teams are like, you know, are just ready to get to next week. But um, A&M is obviously on fire. They, you know, weren't the two seed for the vast majority of the season, but they finished that way. And so we'll see how they do. But, um, again, Arkansas on the road is not all that special. And, and we'll see what Florida does. Kentucky will play Vanderbilt in the second elimination game. And then Alabama will play Texas A&M in game three, which is, I don't know, when will that be scheduled for? Around 5 o'clock or so or 4.30 or 5. And who knows when they're going to play, followed by Tennessee and LSU. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge game. You know, I – I just don't know. Again, I've never been in an NCAA committee. I've heard a lot of talk about, you know, how many wins LSU had in SEC play. I don't know that. I wonder if those were like so-and-so got 18 wins or 19 wins. I wonder if the committee even talks about that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know. But it's – um, I think if you finish in the top four, no matter how many wins it is, I just I agree with Raymond. I I think they're in. I, I don't know if it's because I don't know if the committee has this magical number or not. I just think if you finish fourth in the regular season, and then if LSU finishes again in the top four in the postseason tournament, in the conference tournament, I just think and you're in the SEC, that to me equals hosting. So I'll be surprised if, if they don't. But, again, it, for there's the big picture, and then there's just the fun of playing a team like Tennessee who's had the season they've had. I mean, really. it's just, and, and your offense is on a total roll right now. Um, I don't like the way it's going, but again, you know, you're playing a fun, you're playing a team like Tennessee. Sometimes you just got to be in the moment. Sometimes you got to look, you got to look at the big picture and I get that, but sometimes you just got to have fun in the moment. It's just fun playing a team that's had a season like Tennessee's had a fabulous season. And, um, you know, it just be fun to beat them. So I think you got to look at it that way. Uh, we're about to take a timeout, and we'll have one more segment. Then at about 9.35, we'll have our weekly conversation with Craig Melanson and dive into what's going on at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, which has been nothing. Played two games since Tuesday and played a liquor and thrown a pitch since then. Some people are not too happy about that. Got an opportunity to talk to Coach Deggs yesterday. He was not happy about it. Uh, and so we'll see how things go out go on for the Cajuns. We'll be talking Cajuns and Sunbelt baseball about 935. Let's take a time out and we'll come back on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 27, 2001, five-time British Open champion Tom Watson 
wins the first of six Champions Tour major titles with one stroke at the Senior PGA Championship at Ridgewood Country Club in New Jersey. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in now is a good time to do it. Also want to remind you about Astro Getaway number two. Saturday, June the 18th, Astros hosting the Chicago White Sox. Man, the White Sox seem to be in the middle of a tough schedule. They've been playing the Yankees and Red Sox. And a couple of weeks they'll be playing the Astros. So tough schedule there for the for the White Sox. But anyway, you could win four tickets to that game, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening by going to the to the website, joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We've got, uh, obviously, Major League Baseball starting to heat up. We talked about the SEC tournament. We talked a little bit about the Sunbelt Tournament, and we're going to be talking more about that with Craig Melanson in the next segment. But NFL teams are going through OTAs right now, and I've heard the debate over the last week, how important is it for people to show up for this? You know, we've heard the team chemistry argument. I think it depends on where you are. Like, if you're look, if you're a Jameis Winston, and you're trying to establish yourself or reestablish yourself, then I think it's probably a little more important than like you know Aaron Rodgers. If you're a Russell Wilson who is coming to a new team and trying to establish relationships with new a bunch of new teammates and coaches, then you need to be there. Just the way I'm thinking. Uh, that'd be a bad look if you're not there, if you're Russell Wilson. And so it's um, it just depends on where you are. Michael Thomas, Plastic Man. You read headlines where they say they expect him to be ready for camp, and then you read headlines that he's not yet ready. Now, does that mean he's physically, like if they were playing the Super Bowl today, would he be playing? I got to believe the answer is yes, right? I mean, 
Is this like the worst ankle injury in the history of mankind? But that could be, do the, are they ready to put him out on the field? No, I don't blame them. I mean, like, they, we've been waiting for two years, essentially, to play. So, and he has played some, and that's probably the biggest issue, is he shouldn't have played. But he did, and he made it worse. And they're still paying the piper for that awful decision of him being in there in mop-up duty. Just awful. Awful decision. Um, so it's a little scary to hear he's not yet ready. I just don't know exactly what that means. And, and even though I'm analyzing it some here, I'm trying not to even think about it. Because really, I, I, after what we went through last season, I just can't afford any more bad news like, psychologically right now about that. I mean, it's like I'm just going to ignore, for the most part, I'm going to ignore the talk and, and and just hope he's there for the season opener and hope that he can catch passes. I don't need him to be a superhero, even though I've given him a superhero nickname. Uh, I don't need him to be a superhero. I need him to be a dependable NFL starting wide receiver. That's all I need him to be. That's all I need him to be. You know, I, I, I've been accused in the last, uh, during this offseason, of having like, you know, being like all my expectations being pie in the sky, but I, I vehemently disagree with that. Like, I don't, I don't need him to be anything but an, a, a steady, NFL starting caliber wide receiver. That's all I need. I don't need him to set records. I don't even want him to set records. I don't need him to be in the discussion for one of the top four or five wide receivers in football. I don't even know that I even want that. I don't even care about all that stuff. I don't need a, I don't need a, like I was explaining two days ago. I don't want Jameis Winston to lead the league in touchdown passes or be in the top five. I don't care about that. I just want him to be a starting NFL quarterback, do the things that starting NFL quarterbacks do. That's all I need. I don't need anybody to, to set records. I just need everybody to be solid. This roster is so good that if everyone is solid, this team is going to go a long way. I don't need all that craziness. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, it's Jason. Hey, how are you? Good, man. I was just, I thought I'd get in because um, you're talking my language. Uh, I still don't understand I don't think people realize how good this roster is and not only do they not realize how good this roster is I think they're underestimating how good Jameis can be I, I keep reading these articles still where you still see the whole 30-30 thing brought up every every article you read it's like it gets brought up and if he can just learn to hit those little 10 to 15 yard routes, those little soft touch passes to AK out the backfield, 
and things like that. That's, that's his only, uh, to me, his only shortfall. If he can learn that, I mean, this guy could have an MVP season, in my opinion. And uh, Again, the, the, one of the things that most— There's no limit to what we can do. No, I, I agree. But one of the things that, that I think some people are missing out on with him is, one, there was a time in his life and in his football career, not really his life, in his football career where he was considered immature, questionable leader. That is gone. I mean, that is the past. Um, He is all in. I don't know if you, if anybody, Jarvis Landry uh, actually has been quoted saying one of the main reasons he came to New Orleans and signed with the Saints was because of the leadership that Jameis showed through the entire process once he started talking to the Saints. Like, Jameis is all in. He is leading this franchise just like Drew Brees did. He's at everything. He's, he's supporting everyone. You remember last year, he was he was injured out for the season. He was on the he was on the bench, high five and everyone. He is all in. Yeah, I agree. And he and he's there now. I mean, the guy, you think about it. He ripped his, his knee in October. What all, what's that, maybe seven months ago? I mean, the guy's already on the field doing things. I mean, I'm just... The leadership so concerns and, and character concerns that everyone had about him, and understandably so, you got to... All that's gone. All that's in the past. Now, that does... I'm not saying the guy is Dan Marino, but it don't matter. We don't need Dan Marino. I mean, think about what he did last year, starting the season with 14 TDs, three picks. He was winning games with nothing around him. Nothing. Imagine this year, you put the field, the people we got now. I mean, Traquan Smith's going to probably get cut. Callaway may not see the field that much. He's going to have guys all over the field to throw to. I, I just I can't imagine how much better he can be with what he's going to have around. And him the other and thing, like you said, it depends on Thomas being there. If he's there, that makes a big difference. And the other thing that that people just not enough people are are are, are grasping and fully appreciating. Look at the you know Lamar Jackson. He might be holding out because he might want forty million or thirty five million <laughs> or whatever. And and Aaron Rodgers is making fifty million, and all these quarterbacks are going to start wanting all this Deshaun Watson money. And 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 Jameis is giving the Saints three years of making no money. He's not making compared to all these other quarterbacks. He's not making anything. And, 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 and people mention, are talking. I mean, it's Jarvis. just insane. You saw Jarvis's contract. It's just it's insane. It's nothing. I mean, he he was willing to come to us, play with Jameis for basically an incentive laden contract. So that's another sign that Jarvis has to understand that Jameis is going to be there, going to be there to to make good throws, and is going to get him involved. Because if he doesn't get him involved, then he's not going to make any money. So. I mean, these guys aren't stupid, so I, I just I don't know. I'm so optimistic. It's it's um it's I mean, again it's it's we just and I still need... see these national guys where like they're they're saying they could be a 500 team and you know Brady 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 Bucks 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 like they, they keep saying the Bucks got this great roster. It's crazy. I, <laughs> I mean, I compare our roster to the Bucks. I don't see any difference. 
It's no, it's we have a better roster than the Bucks. But anyway, anyway, let's um, we'll take a timeout. Would you, uh, we, I, I got to calm down? You got to calm down. I get it all, <laughs> but it's just it's just the things I hear just uh, ever since last May or April just make no sense to me. I don't get it. And we just gotta we just gotta stay healthy. It's all about being healthy, really. It's all about being healthy and the safeties and the safeties getting on the same page in the first month of the season. That's what this entire season is about. Being healthy and the safeties being on the same page the first month of the season. Because those are the two things that can derail this team. But I appreciate the call. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Take a time out. We'll be back. Shift gears back to college baseball, Sunbelt variety with our friend. Craig Melanson next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, you need to go to the website, join the game clubhouse today, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You might win a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville where you could get some of the best ball crawfish, ball shrimp, ball crabs, fried seafood, grilled seafood, po' boys, and a seafood buffet. So go to the website and join the game clubhouse today Put and give yourself a chance to win that delicious $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. All right, we have with us Craig Melanson. How are you, sir? Off the field, so I'm ready for baseball, man. This has been a long couple days out here. Uh, I bet. So let's uh, cut to the chase. I had a chance to talk to Coach Deggs yesterday, and in his opinion, a lot more baseball could have been played over the last two days. You were in Montgomery, and I was not. Um, what, from what you could see, how realistic that we could have got five, six, seven games in over the last two days, it, would that a state assessment be? Uh, that's absolutely correct. My problem with it all, Kevin, is if they would have – first of all, I think they need to make the decision at the beginning of the year before teams get in their positions because now they're all playing – they're all jockeying for what's best for their team and not the conference. So if they would have done it at the beginning of the year and said, this is what's going to happen if it rains day one, this is what's going to happen if it rains day two, we could have played after noon on uh, Wednesday, and we could have played probably after 1 o'clock yesterday. But the, you know, they held their coaches' meeting at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, and 
by that time, we had already had about four hours of sunshine, so there was no way they were going to play on Wednesday. It's just, I don't know. It, it's um, it, it 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 it's a tough deal. If it was a normal, do you think if it was a normal year? Well, I say a normal year, or, or if it was a year where it looked like it was going to be a one big league, which sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. It's not like basketball. Sometimes it actually is. Um, if it was going to be a one bid league, do you think they would have voted differently? Uh, possibly, because at that point, again, coaches are are doing what's best for their team, and uh, so. I, I I say yes uh, because I think at that point games are important, wins are important on your resume. If even in a double elimination, even if you'd lost one and you're in the losers bracket, you've got the opportunity to make up some ground by winning multiple games versus you know just sitting around being one and done. Um, it, something something. Some people think it'll work out best for the Cajuns this way. Um, I, I think between us and Coastal Carolina, we've got the deepest pitching staffs. But at the same time, as you know, baseball, uh, uh, one game can get you. That's why baseball is three-game series. That's why the World Series is seven games. That's why the playoffs are five game, uh, a minimum of five games. You know, I, I just don't like it. So... Um... What about um, the idea that bullpen is their biggest issue or question mark coming into this? And because you have fewer games, theoretically, the bullpen that you have might have, you might have enough pitching to cover the innings if you hit enough and that it could work out. Um, Does that fly? I, I think, yeah. I, th- I think you're right, and I think you know we're we're going to face Boswell this afternoon that beat us in Lafayette at uh, early on in the conference play. Boswell's not the same pitcher that he was a month and a half ago, two months ago. Uh, I think the Cajuns can get to him, can get to him early, but what we have to do is keep our our foot foot on their throat and keep keep scoring runs because as the Cajuns have seen in the past, we we've, we've gone. And, and, and hit a pitcher for one inning and then let him settle in for the next four or five innings and goes the distance. But as far as our pull, bullpen goes, I, I agree that that probably helps us, but I think it also helps a lot of other teams as well. All right, so South Alabama. Um, I remember the series in, in Lafayette earlier this year. I was just so impressed with South Alabama's starting pitching. All three of them are still not there. Um, Boswell, that you referred to, pitched a Saturday game, and, and, and the Cajuns didn't get many hits. Actually got five runs on four hits and a 6-5 to five loss. But, you know, how – I mean – how do you feel like they match up with this team? Because South Alabama, the thing that's scary about them is they had a little bit of a disappointing season, but they know how to win in big games. Uh, yeah, but Boswell, like uh, like I said earlier, you know he was he was up ninety two, ninety four, and with velocity. And and from what I'm talking to the radio guys here from South Alabama, he's down closer to eighty six now. His last two outings, he went four innings and three and a third. 
but he still threw 99 pitches and 95 pitches. He's thrown wow. a lot of pitches over the year, so I don't see him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, he, if he's effective against us. But you're right. South Alabama knows how to win. So, And they proved that last year. So you're suggesting that perhaps these pitchers, because they've thrown so much, because their bullpen has been iffy uh, for, for a lot of the season, they're, they're wearing down at the end of the year. I think so, and uh, and and the the thing is that you what you didn't see uh, teams do against the Cajuns was throw a lot of pitchers out of the bullpen. I don't know if that was lack of necessity or if they didn't trust them, but the Cajuns have continued to throw guys like Chipper Menard and uh, Boswell. So it's. Uh, it's it's interesting to see what what how how that plays out for the Cajuns. I think a little showing a little confidence earlier in the year will hopefully get us through this tournament. You know they've had a little bit of a break. Obviously, uh, it sounds like they've been practicing every day. It's not like they've just been sitting around the hotel, which is good. Going to you know. Um, um, Auburn Montgomery and they've been going to some high school fields and practicing. So, or do you have any concern that they won't be able, you know, they'll be a little rusty at the plate or do you feel like the rest maybe helped them? Could the rest actually help them a little bit and, and they'd be even kind of even more rejuvenated offensively? I think so. You know, we have the, we have the trip to Texas state, which is one of the longer trips um, in Let's be honest. We, we 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 lost three games there, and they they were close games on on paper if you look back at the score. But the Cajuns were probably never really in the games that much. So I think having that trip coming back and then the short rest playing UTA to end the season was it UTA or Little Rock? I Little Rock. Little confused. Rock. Little Rock. Yeah. Um, you know. I, I think the rest is going to do them good. I've talked to a couple of the guys. They they look happy. Uh, like you said, they went to uh, talk to Coach Wells yesterday before they were heading out to a high school field that had some uh, covered batting cages and everything. I, I think the guys they 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 look they look good. I think the thing that concerns me a little bit, although knowing the the makeup of this team a little bit. Not maybe not so much is there's just so much more pressure on every game in a single elimination tournament. So you already have a lot of pressure coming into this tournament after what happened in San Marcos. Now there's even more pressure. But do you feel like that will get to some of these players, or do you think that the, their mental makeup will, they will ignore that and just go play baseball? Pressure. You're playing for Coach Deggs. You got pressure every day of the week with that cat. Yeah, I that's mean true. It, it's. I think if if, you, if if there's one coach you want to be playing for in a single elimination, I think it's Coach Deggs. You want the pressure he's been putting on you all year, and that's why he's been doing it to get you get to you to this point in the season. I, I think I think they're going to handle the pressure fine. Uh, if I tell you that the Cajuns are going to get to Sunday's final and make a run in this single elimination tournament. Does that, who's the player in your mind that probably means that 
so-and-so showed up? Is it like a Max Morshock starting to hit after he's been in a slump? Is it a it a Veyon maybe or a Heath Hood? I mean, we kind of come to depend on Robinson, Robertson and and Rockefeller and Kimple. But, like, who, who do you think is kind of the key to needing to step up to get the Cajuns into into Sunday's game? For me, it's it, it, Saturday. If, if getting to Saturday's game, and if it's Texas State, it's it's pitching. It's Jacob Schultz. We need Jacob Schultz to come out. And on the hitting side, I think it is Max Marshock. We need him on the bases. We need him. I don't care. I think what Max, to me, what Max did in Texas State, he put a lot of pressure on himself, and he was swinging out of his shoes at times. I think he needs to go back, which, which got him on his role, is bunt, bunting for singles, getting on base, however it takes, and then being a terror on the base pass. So those are, the, those are the two guys, in my opinion, if the Cajuns are going to get to Sunday, have to play well, and especially on Saturday if we face Texas State. Look, they really, really need to win today, obviously, because it's a single elimination tournament. But don't let the Cajuns score 20 runs like your Reds did yesterday. <laughs> Man. All right, so they only scored 15, and then they brought the shortstop in the pitch and <laughs> scored another five. So, and, and, and if you're having a pitiful season like the Reds are, then you score as many yeah, runs. Yeah, no, 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 enjoy the moment. I, I know it, it was good for the Reds. I get, I get how that felt. I'm talking about. I don't, I don't want. Um, yeah. I don't want the. I, I don't know. want the. I want the Cajuns to win. Like, you know, like seven to two, seven to three, just a normal baseball score. We don't, you know, just. Of course, right now in single elimination, you take a win however you get it, I guess. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you want to know if I'm listening. You keep mentioning my Reds in the little popcorn park there. So I feel like <laughs> I'm just, I'm ready to call you every time. We're like, stop, stop banging on my Reds. We're doing bad enough. We don't need you yelling at them. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, you finally get to see some baseball this afternoon, so enjoy it. Thank you, Kevin. We'll appreciate it. We'll, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, sir. Craig Melanson. No, I, I think Max is a good answer for that question, and certainly Schultz. So I, I think Craig was was spot on in those situations. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on 
the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles want to remind you if you would like to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse to eat mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection, all kinds of extravagant size and so much more. You need to go to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Join the Game Clubhouse today. It's free and easy. Sign up today, and you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. All right. So I like Craig's answers, but I think it's going to take someone also like um, Heath Hood to continue to hit like he's doing. And someone, whether it's Bobby Lede or C.J. Willis or Kyle DeBarge, is going to have to come up with big hits. I just, I just think they're going to need hits up and down the order, not always, but here and there, because um, the biggest issue of late has been stranding runners in scoring position. So you're going to need a few unsung heroes to make this happen. We'll see. If they can do it again, the Cajuns are scheduled to play at four today against South Alabama. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 104 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, you can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. Um Certainly feel free to call in. We talked to little New Orleans Saints with OTAs going on. We um, Earlier in the week, if um, Saints is still on your mind going into this Memorial Day weekend, you know, we've talked about running backs and running backs that they should pick up and had a um, discussion yesterday on the way walking out with our um, com- some colleagues about that, and and some people are fine with the Saints' current running back situation. I'm not. I I'm 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 still not fine. I mean, I'm fine with just about everything going on with the Saints right now, but I'm still not fine with the running back situation. I do not want to be in a situation where we're going into November. And about to play the toughest part of the schedule. And 41-Z28, Alvin Kamara is suspended. Superman, Mark Ingram, is hurt. And they're having to go pick up some running back off the street. Now, I'm not saying that that can't work. I just don't want to do that. I'd rather, all right, we have a guy who's been with us since day one in training camp. We're just going to play him. And he's already gotten carries and scored touchdowns for the team this year. 
and he's already been an NFL player. He's already uh, made playoff runs. He's already been the leading rusher for his team. If you can get a guy who's cheap because he's no longer a starter, who has been a starter, and who has been there, done that, why would you not do that? Why would you wait for disaster to happen? I just, it's 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 amazing to me how many people are volunteering for that as Saints fans. They just, oh no, I want that. I want I want that. I, I want I want to be in a position where we're about to face the toughest part of the schedule, which is the second half of the season. Kamara's gonna be suspended, and Superman's gonna be hurt, and we're gonna be depending it on. Two undrafted free agents, Tony Jones and Abram Smith. And look, I'm am I excited about the prospects of an Abram Smith? Yeah, I am. I think I think he could work out. I'm excited about watching him play. He's gonna be one of them. This is gonna be the most exciting Saints preseason, and I don't know how long. Just because, you know, guys, and he's gonna be one of the major reasons why. But that doesn't mean I want to count on him playing. In Cheetoville against one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, I don't want to count on that guy in that game. I think y'all have all lost your minds, I believe. That's okay. But anyway, we could certainly talk about that or discuss it or even argue about it. Major League Baseball, lots going on. The Astros begin, as I've been complaining about, their third three-city trip tonight in Asia against the Seattle Mariners. And um, Seattle's makeup's changed a little bit. Kyle Lewis is back after being out for the most, you know, for really the last two seasons he's missed since being rookie of the year. Well, season and a half or so. Um Rodriguez is starting to hit. Astros cannot get Ty France out. We'll see if they can get him out in this series. And the Mariners pitching has not been as good as I kind of thought it would be so far. So we'll see in a stretch where a lot of people have been overachieving on the mound. They really haven't. And so we'll see how, how it plays out. And then the Astros go to Oakland and in Kansas City after that. So um, the Astros just finishing off a five and two homestand, which is always a good way to to do it. Not scoring runs at home. We'll see how they score runs on the road. But but to be fair, like Seattle's not really a place to score a lot of runs, although the Astros have at times over the years. Oakland is not really a place to score a lot of runs. I mean, those are pitchers' parks. And Kansas City, I don't know. I always thought of it being kind of neutral. But I certainly don't think it's a popcorn park. And so none of these games that they're going to play over the over the next week and a half are really what you would consider home run hitting parks or offense, you know, parks that, that – that include, you know, that really favor the hitter. You can pitch in it, and it, which is good because the Astros can pitch. And they have pitched great so far this year. So kind of foreseeing more 
low-scoring games. And as long as they win their fair share or a little more than their fair share, it could work out because then they could really be due to hit and swing the bats and score a lot of runs when they, you know, after that, when they're going to be playing in a few situations like Yankee Stadium at the end of June, uh, Popcorn Park. And now the Mets aren't really a popcorn park, but they'll be playing there. And and so, we'll, you know, they're going to may, may need to score a few more runs in those games. We'll see how that plays out. So we got certainly that to talk about, as well as, you know, during the next break, for, we got – little too tied up in another little project during the break but uh we can maybe get some updates of what's going on because theoretically the Sunbelt Conference tournament and the SEC tournament has already started so we'll try to give you some updates about that also uh in the next segment we're going to be going back and talking a little more high school football we had a coaching change recently in Lafayette Parish Matt Desermo left to become an assistant principal at his alma mater in New Iberia, Catholic High of New Iberia, and Stephen Heron, who um, has been on that staff, is going to be taking over, I think, officially as the interim head coach. We'll see how all that plays out. But um, been knowing Stephen for quite a few years. Began uh, learning about him when he was at Lafayette High years ago, and uh, he's been a big part of that coaching staff, so looking forward to talking to Coach Heron in the next segment about the tr- that this kind of a little bit of a transition year that the Blue Gators are going to be go- going through in football after uh, being a very steady program and putting up a lot of wins um, for a while now. So we look forward to, to talking to him as well. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. One one, um, NBA. We haven't really talked about, and again, I, it's going to be hard. It's just been it's after the first round, other than the Pelicans series against the Suns, which was you know good to see, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it's just been the NBA playoffs have just been for me. I'm talking about just awful, and I, and I really. I'm surprised because I thought it was going to be pretty good. Last night, another double-digit game. I mean, it, it was. It only ended up being ten, but I, I don't. It wasn't really that close, and it didn't. You know, I don't think the Mavs really came close to winning that game. So, to I still call that as another blowout game. It, it's been, it's been awful NBA playoffs, and making it more awful for me. Is the is who looks like they're going to be playing in the finals? I mean, I can't even. I don't know if I could have picked a worse. I think the worst possible scenario for the finals is is what it's going to probably be, unless Miami just pulls off some sort of miracle, which I don't think they're going to do. I mean, first of all. If you're, if I was going to give you the top five worst scenarios for NBA Finals, the Celtics would have been in all five. So it just depends on who the other one is. And Golden State coming back makes it even worse. And so I think this was the worst case scenario for me for a NBA Finals matchup. 
like I said yesterday, I, I'm going to be more interested in the NBA draft than I will be the NBA finals. And I'm not even a big NBA draft guy. What a nauseating NBA finals matchup this is shaping up to be. I mean, basically, I'm going to have to pull for the Warriors to win the NBA title. And, you know, if they had not pulled the whole Kevin Durant thing, I, I don't. I don't really have any historical hate towards the Warriors. In fact, 1975 NBA Finals, I pulled for the Warriors. So I, I don't, I don't have any big hatred towards them. Um, Clifford Ray, I like Clifford Ray. Jamal Wilkes later played for the Lakers. I liked him. I didn't have anything against Rick Barry. So I don't have any history. I mean, I I probably like the Suns the best of all the old Pacific teams in the Lakers division growing up, but I would say I like the Nuggets. I mean, I hated the Blazers and the Sonics a whole lot more than I hated these people. But man, what a nauseating NBA. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to be watching it. That's not going to happen. All right. Let's uh, go to the game hotline before we get to our next timeout. Hello. Hey, Kev. How you doing this morning? Howdy. Hey, man. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I really, to be honest with you, I, I used to follow the NBA very closely back in the in the seventies, eighties, you know, early nineties, and, and I kind of got away from it. But I've been watching these finals, and it's so frustrating to see. How many bad three pointers are jacked up during a you know a given game? It's unbelievable. I mean, there's so many times I saw where the guy's driving to the basket. He has a clear lane. He just stops, kicks it back out for a three point, and it's an air ball. I, I, I literally can't remember seeing so many balls hit off the backboard, not touch the rim. Just some bad shooting. I mean, it was you know, uh, it's just not basketball to me anymore. You know. You know, I don't I don't really love the whole I get the I mean, I get why they're doing it. I mean, you know, three's more than two. And if you can hit a certain percentage, it just makes more sense. So I I'm not saying that it's wrong, but yeah, do I prefer the way the basketball was played with the mid range jumper and, and and more yeah, I preferred the way it was played more back then, no question. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, it, even, you know, driving to the basket, you'd, you'd get, get the basket and a, and a foul. You know, I mean, it's still, that's still a three-point play. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, look, there's some some great shooters out there. Don't get me wrong. But, but boy, there's a, there was just a lot of bad shots that I saw uh, in the game last night for sure. But, anyway, getting to the Saints, um, you know what I think is going to happen, Kev? I, I, I really do believe that they're going to wait kind of like what we did last year when we had, you know, I'm not sure you'd call it a plethora of running backs, but we cut Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman, um, you know, in training camp. And I think that's what's going to happen, that they'll wait until a veteran gets waived in because um, I just don't see a whole lot left on the market that, that well, it's kind of like Darrell Williams. I mean, uh, they haven't, to the best of my knowledge, brought him in to really, you know, for a look. I mean, he was in New Orleans, but hey, He's from there. Um, 
So I, you know, but I, again, I a guy might... like a guy like Peyton Barber, he's not a great player, but he's been the leading rusher of teams before. He's only like 27, 28 years old. Devontae Booker's the guy I've been one since this whole process started. He still is not signed. I mean, yeah. I, I, that's all I need. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Now I'm gonna tell you what. You know, I, I know I worry too much, but but I'm. I'm I'm starting to get a bad feeling again, and I don't know why, but I really kind of think that Michael Thomas's injury is going to linger into this season again. I just I just I saw a video of him recently running a you know forty or whatever. Man, it looked bad. You know, he was it's really slow. Um, he's not a burner. I know that, but it. I don't know. I'm getting that une- uneasy feeling, you know. Um, I'm trying to well, not it, think about it. I, I know, I know, because we, you know, this should be a position of strength. We talked. I was just talking to you last week about who do you cut between Marquez Callaway and and Traquan Smith. Well, if I'm, re- you know, o- well, look, one o two eight one two OTA doesn't make it, but you know, sure enough, Jameis Winston five for eight. One of them was a, a drop by Traquan Smith on a short pass. I said, well, that's, a, that's a shocker. Traquan, <laughs> I got man, he catches everything. <laughs> you know, he, you know, he is what he is. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, he, Maybe he can block, but, hey, you know, I'd rather have somebody who can catch because it's called a receiver, you know. So. Yeah. But um, it is good to see Jameis out there. I, I would, I, you know, I, I know guys miss OTAs for different reasons. I'd, I'd like to see Jarvis out there to get some – chemistry you know get some timing you know and 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 some more some reps and stuff but i'm i'm sure you know that they can do that in camp yeah yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not worried about them all right andy dalton looked really sharp you know i think i think he's a that's an excellent pickup for them i really do i'm not an andy dalton guy but i and i hope we never have to find out if i was wrong or right let's put it that way (laughs) let's put it that way all right yeah all right thanks for the call you too We'll take a timeout, come back. Again, shift gears, high school football. Talk to a new assistant, Ascension Episcopal head coach, Stephen Heron, next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, all you need to do is go to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Sign up for the game clubhouse. It's real easy to do, and you put yourself in position to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. All right, we have with us new head football coach at Ascension Episcopal, the Blue Gators, Coach Stephen Heron. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing very well. So this, uh, you know, going into this offseason, I don't know that you knew you were going to be in the position you're in right now. So uh, how did uh, kind of that, um, was it surprising? Uh, Was it kind of something you kind of took in stride? Or how did all that play out? 
I would say, uh, I guess, a little bit of everything, just because uh, Matt and I have become great friends over the last six years. So he was pretty honest and straightforward, really, with everybody from administration to the guys on the coaching staff, you know, letting us know that this is a possibility. And uh, so, you know, I kind of understood that there there could be some change. Uh, I didn't know, um, you know, that I'd be it'd be the guy for sure, but I knew I understood that 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 there could be some change coming up. And uh, so um, took it, took it in stride the best I could. Um, you know, things once, once it got down to decision-making time, things happened pretty quickly, but uh, you know, we were kind of at the point in the year where we were always start preparing for summertime, you know, looking at depth charts. So, you know, the good thing there was, you know, we've always, uh, you know, collectively, you know, looked at personnel. So we were starting to move, move into summer preparations anyway, uh, which was a good thing. So, um, so I guess a little bit of both, you know, it was, it was surprising how fast things moved once, once decisions were made, but, uh, you know, try definitely, I, I, I guess there was too much to do to, uh, think about not taking it in stride, I guess. So, um, so how did this scenario play into was was the was the spring plan and how y'all executed it the same as always just a few different responsibilities here and there how did it impact spring well honestly so you know i think it's been the last eight years where the lhsa has has made it to where you can you can have spring football obviously or you can you can not have spring have the extra week in the summertime with pads and just with the way uh, you know, we have so many multi-sport athletes. We have so many guys that are baseball players in the spring, so many guys that are on, uh, you know, running track that it really makes sense for us to, uh, to use that extra week in the summertime, just because with all the baseball, you know, track guys, we didn't end up going through spring with about 20 guys. So it really honestly didn't impact us all that much. We were in the weight room. We've been in the weight room. I, I'm, the, I'm also the head boys track coach. So, you know, I was out at track. We have a lot of a lot of football guys that run track. So, you know, things things you know ran through the spring as they usually do. You know, so I, I think, like I said, with us being the you know the size school we are, it benefits us to get that extra extra week in the summertime rather than go through a go through a, a spring practice with a skeleton crew. So that that really wasn't impacted all that much. The, the the things that I know about y'all coaching staff, it seems like this is a relatively if if someone's going to be asked to do what you're doing, which is you know become, um, I guess I'm technically right. You're technically the interim head coach right now, or is that not accurate? No, that that is accurate. I, I'm the interim head coach. I think the you know the that felt like the best path forward. You know, from an administrative standpoint, being this late in the in the, in the you know, the spring almost into the summer. So, yeah, I, I am technically uh, the interim head coach. So having a staff that's largely been together with um, <clears throat> with a lot of experience, um, is that it seemed like that made it a lot easier. It's oh, going to yeah, make your job a lot easier does. is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Mike and Matt, uh, you know, came to Ascension, I think, nine years ago, you know, uh, three years with Mike Desimo as a head coach, not uh, six years with Matt as, as a head coach. And, uh, 
when I think when they came over, Scott McCullough, the old pro, came with them. Uh, so having Scott on staff, who's who's been around, you know, a lot of football, a lot of baseball, has a lot of experience, you know, in coaching, you know, being a great resource. Uh, Jay DiMaggio and I have been here for six years. You know, we came over the in the 2016 football season, the, the you know Matt's first season as head coach. You know, so having a staff that's been together, you know, for as long as we have is. is really a luxury uh you know i don't know if it happens all that often especially at small schools uh so just to have have the guys on staff i mean there's definitely um a continuity in place you know we can uh not having to change systems you know there, there's a lot that uh you know i need to do between now and in august for sure but we could go outside right now line up and run offensive plays we can line up our defense so, I mean, that's that's an unbelievable luxury for me. You know, if I'm starting a program at a new place, I mean, there's such a learning curve that ends up being, um, you know, involved with it. That that's you know that's that's a huge battle to have to have to fight. But the fact that we can go out right now, we can run our offense, we can run our defense. Systems aren't going to have to change. I mean, I, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate to step into that situation for sure. All right, so. Am I am I correct in saying you have experience as an assistant coach on both sides of the ball, or wh- which side would you say would be fall under like your expertise? Would you say you're more uh, offensive coach or defensive coach during your career? I would say defense. Uh, you know, I've coached defensive backs most of my career. Um, you know, I like it high. I coached outside backers for a few years, um, but at, at Brobridge, Delisle, like it high, and even here, I've, I've been a. Def- defensive guy, defensive backs. Uh, but, uh, you know, with, with the size staff that we have and the fact that we have so many guys, you know, we're a small 2A school. We have so many guys that end up playing both sides of the ball. You know, we, we wind up coaching both sides of the ball. So I've, I've coached defensive backs, but I've also been the tight ends coach over here. Uh, so uh, I would say as far as weekends goes, uh, game prep, game planning, my mental energy goes into uh, into defense for the most part. So if I, you know, from from that standpoint, I would say defense. But we end up uh, we end up coaching, you know, multiple multiple positions, which uh, you know I got to experience that at, at Brobridge. We had a, even though four A school, we were, we had a small staff, uh, so they they plugged me in when I went over there uh, where where they needed me, and uh, you know co- I coached uh, defensive backs, wide receivers, and then at, at Del Sal, we were in a similar situation, small staff. So uh, I would say most most of my time, most of my mental energy ends up getting you know the weekend gets spent on the defensive side of the ball. Again, we're speaking with interim Ascension Episcopal football coach Stephen Heron. So tell me a little bit about um, personnel. I mean, every year, somebody in high school level, you lose somebody who's a good player. So. What are some of the key holes as y'all kind of start mapping it out and who are the returning starters and where we might have to uh, get some answers going into the summer? Well, you know, we had we had a really good senior class last year. Uh, so that's always the tough part about having a good senior class. You know, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be on the field that are seniors. You know, so we had, uh, you know, Maxie Bodwain, he's going on to Tulane. Uh, Alex Doge was a, was a difference maker for us on the defensive line. Uh, Cole Edmond was a difference maker at free safety. Britt Campbell 
wound up being a difference maker at, at uh, safety and, and receiver. He was a, he pretty much played every, every down of every game. Um, so we had, we had so many guys that were difference makers in that senior class, but uh, we, you know, breaking it down, you know, we have like 13, 14 guys coming back that were, that were starters either on the offensive side or defensive side. We have another four or five guys that wind up being, uh, you know, Friday night players for depth guy, you know, backups, depth guys that got a lot of reps. So, you know, looking at that, we have, you know, 17, 18 guys that were either starters or have a lot of reps uh, on Friday night. So, we, you know, we're going to have, you know, a couple of lower classmen guys that are going to be sophomores that are going to have to step in. So, you know, the good news is, I guess, for us, we don't have too many where it's going to be a trial by fire. They kind of have a taste of what it's like. And, uh, and uh, so I, I think that's, that obviously benefits us, um, you know, just looking at the whole picture, having some guys with some experience. So, so, so what would you say on paper, coaches, where, you know, you got the most returning, like the most uh, going to be the most season or experienced group or, or uh, area on the team going in? I would say skill, uh, you know, especially on the offensive side, Kate Dardar. Uh, is returning as a senior quarterback. He played last year as a, as a junior, had a really great junior year, and, uh, you know, was pretty patient. He, he played behind some good quarterbacks before him. Cole Seymour was a four-year starter before him. So, so you know, Cade, Cade was patient, stepped in last year, had a, had a really great junior year, and has had a great offseason. He's, a, you know, he's kind of in true ascension fashion. He, he's, a, he's a basketball player. Uh, in the winter time, that comes out and runs track in the in the springtime. So uh, you know, I, I'm I'm excited about him coming back as a senior quarterback. So uh, you know, K to quarterback, we got all you know our, our receivers. Uh, we've got some guys that we feel like can be you know playmakers. Austin Mills, uh, uh, Connor Edmond. Connor was Connor was a starting cornerback for us this year, and he's probably going to take a little bit more of a role on. On the off, offensive side of the ball, too, um, uh, we have uh, Alex Wilkes is another guy that played played a lot of receiver for us last year. That's going to step in, probably play on both sides of the ball. Um, so, you know, I think right now, all, offensive skill guys are probably where we have um, you know a lot of our a lot of our returning impact players on the offensive line. You know, we're returning three out of five starting offensive linemen, Peyton Peebles. Uh, Caden Culpepper, who stepped in and played really well for us last year as a freshman, and uh, J. Paul Gidry. So three out of five offensive linemen. Uh, Cole Colligan, who played a lot of uh, defense for us last year, played some some X. He, he, he's had a great offseason, and he's going to be a guy, another guy that can can step in and, and play a lot of reps on both sides of the ball at tight end and, and uh, outside backer. Um, so, you know, those, that, that side of the ball, we have, um, you know, obviously we've got some guys to plug in and, uh, but you know, good, good thing too. We've got some, some linemen that got to play some reps last year, you know, due to injury or different things that, um, you know, got some experience there. So I'm, I'm excited about that group for sure. I don't know about y'all, but he sounded like a head football coach to me. Great job, coach. I appreciate it very much and look forward to uh, talking to you a little more this upcoming season. Have a good summer. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Stephen Heron, interim head football coach at Ascension Episcopal. And I don't know. He sounds like he's sharp. I already knew that, but 
And uh, he's ready to hit. It sounded like he's ready to hit the ground running. And, and, and I do think that when you when you have a program like Ascension Episcopal that's kind of been a not, – not, when I say a system, I mean they just have a way of doing things. And, you know, they went from Mike to Matt, brothers, and then he's coached with Matt for six years, and they have other coaches who have been there longer, and they've kind of been doing things – a similar way for a long time. It's 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 kind of an easy situation for a head coach to leave in the spring, like happened here, and, and, and for to promote from within and to kind of keep things going the way they've kind of been going for a while now. So, um, sounds like he's ready and they're ready to make that work, and we'll see how the Blue Gators do in the fall. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back and. Start to look at this uh, Memorial Day weekend a little closer and the things to look forward to in that. We'll do that when we come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to give you um, an update, but before we do that, want to remind you if you would like to win a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, you need to go to the website, join the game clubhouse. You put yourself in a position to where you can maybe eat some fried cheese sticks or barbecue pork sandwich, whatever you would like if you visit Cypress Bayou. But you can't win if you don't join. So go to the website. <clears throat> join the Game Clubhouse today by signing up at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. Updates in Montgomery. Man, they are flying by. And I laugh because when I, I, I'm not real superstitious, so I don't think it matters whether I say it. It's going to impact how fast or slow the game's being played. But a lot of people are, and they get really mad when I say that. Man, this game's just flying by, and they all look at you and like, "Oh, you blew it! What are you doing?" I just think it's funny. But anyway, uh, this game is flying by. It started at. Uh, they are already in the top of the sixth inning. The problem is, if well, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's a it's a close game. It's two to two. Troy scored two runs in the second inning after Coastal scored two runs in the bottom of the first. Both teams have four hits. Both teams have made no errors, and both teams have scored two runs. So it's about about as even as a game can get so far. Again, they're in the top of the sixth. Troy has a runner on second and two outs. Uh, remember, Coastal is one of the hotter teams in the league. They did not start out the season very well, but ended up passing up the Cajuns at the very end of the season and um, and and got the three seed. Troy starting pitcher, um, Mosley, who's been around forever, 
uh, is is pitching very well. He's only given up four hits, one walk, and struck out six through five innings. So we'll we'll see how that game plays out. Again, the winner of that game will play the winner of the next game. Um, and so the Cajuns would play at four, and the Cajuns, the winner of the Cajun-South Alabama game will play the winner of the Texas State and ULM game. And the winner of this game will play the winner of the next game, which is Georgia Southern and App State. All right, on the SEC front, that game's moving along pretty well, too. They're in the fifth inning. Florida is beating Arkansas 2 to nothing. And like I said at the very top of the show, it's not real surprising. Arkansas away from home, pretty average to a slightly above average. The, the, the idea, oh, Arkansas, they're really good. And overall, they are. But away from home, they're not. They're very beatable. Very beatable away from home, and that that seems to be happening. This is the same Florida team that just got skull drug, um, ten to nothing by A and M. So Arkansas is down two to nothing. Uh, Arkansas will still host, and they're going to be tough to beat in a regional in Fayetteville. But um, past that, I, I don't I don't know how much of a threat there are unless they're hosting a super regional. Again, I, I just think some teams are like that. They're just kind of really, really good at home. And on the road, they're just eh. And every time I think of that, I think of the 1987 Minnesota Twins. And I, that's kind of my, you know, whenever I compare someone to a team like that, I don't know if Arkansas is the co- this year's college version of the Minnesota Twins, but they, they're, 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 they're sort of like that. So we'll see how those games play out. Uh, Arkansas had two hits. And Florida has four hits. So uh, the two games are moving along, which is what you want when you're having to play all these games, especially, you know, the Cajuns aren't playing the late game on the schedule like LSU is. But, um, you know, if you're playing the 7.30 or the 8 o'clock scheduled start game, you want those first two games to go by pretty quickly. Now, no matter how quickly the first five to six innings go if you're tied after nine then that could kind of mess that up so I'm sure um I'm pretty confident that the Troy Coastal game will not be two to two after nine but certainly possible I, I would think somebody would score um before then but we'll see again Troy Coastal 2-2 and Arkansas is trail. Florida is leading Arkansas two to nothing in that elimination game in Hoover. Uh, also, again, we've got tonight. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit in the first hour. The Astros will begin a nine-game road trip trip tonight in Asia. I say it's called better known as Seattle against the Mariners. First pitch is at eight forty, and you can listen to. All that accent on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. So uh, earlier this week, Kevin Eschenfelder was doing color. And I don't, I didn't hear how all that went down. 
and Jeff Bagwell was doing color on the TV side, and so it seems like the Astros two color guys on the t- were both off at the same time. Steve Sparks and Jeff Blum, who I like both of them. Um, so a little, little curious. Well, I don't know how that's going to play out. They all say that their favorite trip is Seattle. Like they love going to Seattle, and I think part of that is Seattle's a unique town, but also um, nice ballpark. From what <clears throat> I've never been there, although I will be in Seattle, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks. So we might at least see it. I don't know if I'll see a game, but I might actually see the ballpark. But also, I think uh, you know the Astros win there a lot, so it's like kind of a home away from home for the Astros, and it's been that way for a long, long time. And so maybe that has something to do with it. They win there a lot. If you you know if you go to a city, even if it's really nice and the ballpark's really nice, if you lose there all the time, at least if you're the kind of Astro fan that I am, I don't really care how pretty. I mean, I you know I'd rather play, you know. On a junk on a junky field and win and play in the Taj Mahal and lose all the time. So uh, we'll see. How, I, I don't know exactly if that's why, but I'm sure all the winning there over the years had something to do with that as well. So we'll see if the Astros can hit the ball on the road. But like we mentioned earlier, that's not really a a hitter's park too much. So we'll see how that plays out. Um. By the time we come back on Monday, and yes, we are scheduled to to have a show on Memorial Day. We'll be here. Uh, RP3 and company will be doing his show, and uh, we'll, we'll obviously a lot has to happen. Um, it could be a really busy Memorial Day, especially if the Cajuns win the Sun Belt Conference tournament, because then we'll have LSU and the Cajuns both looking to see what regionals they're going to be going in, going to, and. Um, you know, whether LSU's hosting like most of us think they're going to do or, or in where the Cajuns would be going or they're just going to go to Baton Rouge. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. Probably the NBA Finals will be set, um, you know, and we'll have the Rays and the Yankees will continue their season series and all that. But the biggest thing as far as waiting to see what's going to happen is going to be in the college baseball tournaments. And you're going to have all the Super Regionals for softball, which we talk about a little bit, even though most of our local teams are out, we'll know for sure whether McNeese has advanced to a regional. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, most of us probably think that whoever wins and McNeese is up one nothing. And, again, I, I really like that format. That's kind of cool having the best two out of three. That whether Southeastern finally figures out how to beat McNeese or McNeese wins like most people are expecting, they'll probably go and and be um, be going to the Baton Rouge Regional, but you never know. That's why um, you got to have the selection show and see. So a lot, lots to be decided after this show ends between now and when we, when we return. Laura Willen on Monday on Memorial Day, and hopefully the Astros have at least two wins between now and then, but we will see. That's why they play the game. All righty. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show and this week's show heading into a holiday weekend. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Well, during the break, and actually, I think right before the, at the end of our last segment, we had more action in Hoover. Florida now leads Arkansas four to nothing in the bottom of the fifth. Might be into the top of the sixth now. Uh, the DH got a two-run single in the second inning. Then he followed off with a leadoff homer in the fifth. Two outs later, Halter added another homer. So they hit two homers in the bottom of the fifth to take a 4 to nothing lead over Arkansas in that elimination game. And um, as far as I know, the other game has not changed at all. It is still 2-2. Two to two, um, between Troy and Coastal Carolina. So, um, you know, at least the the first games, as I said earlier, are kind of cruising along the 9 o'clock game uh, in in Montgomery for the Sun Belt and a 9.30 start in the uh, the SEC, and they're they're cruising along pretty good. Actually, they're in the top of the seventh now. So in about two hours, they've played seven innings. It's still two to two. Troy has a leadoff uh, base runner. The leadoff runner is on, but it's two to two in the top of the seventh. So between Troy and Coastal. So for Cajun fans who are hoping after waiting all of Wednesday and all of Thursday with no games played for the Cajuns who don't want to wait any longer, at least they're off to a good start as long as someone scores and the game is not tied. You don't want extra innings. You know, you want the games to fly by, but you don't want extra innings, especially in the first two games of a four-game day after doing all the waiting that these Sunbelt Conference teams have been doing for the last two days in Montgomery. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, everyone have a very safe And happy Memorial Day weekend, and we will speak to you again on Monday. Have a nice one.